0: Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I'm Ben McKee, joined as always by the one and only Eric Kane, here to preview the Knoxville Regional because the NCAA tournament has finally arrived. We've been talking about it. We've been looking ahead. We've been pointing to it. And it's finally here. Tennessee baseball in the postseason. Eric, it's going to be a fun ride. And we're recording this on Thursday evening. I I can't wait for first pitch on Friday night. Yeah. I mean, it should be
1: good, man. Um, It's, you you hate to You don't want to like, you know, take for granted the regular season was so fun, you know, to watch and, you know, be a part of and all that. And, and that's great. But I mean, just like you said, we've been, we've been talking about, you know, when, when it's regional time, potentially super regionals, potentially Omaha, you know, Tennessee could do this. Tennessee can do this. Well, it's time in Tennessee, you know, with the Knoxville regional playing host to Alabama state and, uh, the fighting camels and, of course, Georgia Tech, it's uh, it's go time. So I'm really excited to get this weekend underway.
0: You mentioned we, we've been pointing to the postseason and or rather you, you mentioned that uh, you don't want to just forget about the regular season, which leads me to my first question for you. And that is your thoughts going into the NCAA tournament on what would deem it a successful season for Tennessee we, we've talked about it before is it championship or bust is it make it to Omaha or or bust I, I think we can pretty much start there I, I think not making it to Omaha would result in a disappointing season uh, not making it out of your regional not making it out of the super regional I, I think it, it would fall under the category of a a disappointing season maybe though maybe there are some people out there who would argue against that I mean after all Tennessee did win the SEC regular season championship for the first time since 1995 and also won the SEC tournament for the first time since 1995 as, as well so that that's what makes it such a, a difficult conversation the the regular season was just so bad and even if they do come up short in the NCAA tournament it, it's just hard to simply forget that. And classify it as boomer bust. I, I, at least it would be for me, Eric. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how the way
1: I look at it. Like I, I don't like the term bust, um, and, and you don't even want to have these conversations, right? But y- y- it's a it's a great it's a difficult one to have, and you hope that's not to be the case. I don't think this team's overlooking anybody. I think this team is. Got great leadership. I think the team has coached well. And, you know, it's, you, you can't afford to overlook anybody in the regionals and, and all that just to advance to the supers and all that. So, but to answer your question, to me, I don't like using the word bus. So I'm not going to. I, I just think if you were to not make it to Omaha with as dominant wire to wire as this regular season has been, capped off with an SEC tournament championship. All the records you've broken, leading the um, you know pitcher of the year and, and first teamers and all that, could have had you know arguably an SEC player of the year, um, you know leading the nation in the home runs and all that. I mean, if you were to not make it to Omaha, that would be an extremely disappointing taste in the mouth at the end of uh, what should have been a fun year. So I won't say bust, but if this team does not make it to Omaha, it's it's very disappointing. Um, now I'm not going to say if you don't win at all, that's, that's disappointing because again, I mean, we all know this. It's so difficult to win a tournament style championship sport. I mean, it really is. Um, anything can happen. Uh, it's, it's, it's a brand new year, you know, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. I mean, if you were to advance to Omaha, you're playing against seven of the other greatest teams and hottest teams in the country right now. So I'm not going to say championship or, you know, it's a failed season because I don't believe that, but I'll say this. If you, if Tennessee does not advance to Omaha, it is very, very disappointing, and I don't think you can argue against it. Again, not bust because you accomplished so much and it was a fun year, but it's 100% disappointing, and it's a major letdown. Maybe letdown is the right phrase to be used the right word. it would be a letdown.
0: If, let me let me ask it this way, if, and I know I'm putting you on the spot first, I'll, I'll obviously give my answer as well, but if if Tennessee doesn't make it to Omaha... Is it a failed season? Because I don't, I don't, I don't think that it is. And I like what you kind of said a moment ago. Because the yeah. phrase that's been uh, jingling around in my head while I was listening to you talk is "failed opportunity." Is what I kind of think that this would be if. If they weren't able to make it to Omaha and win the national championship, I would view it as a failed opportunity and a disappointing end to the season. But I'm not going to label this season a failure because they didn't win the national championship, even though they have all the ingredients. We, we've detailed the, those ingredients quite well the last several months. They have all the ingredients to go win a national championship. I recognize that. But just because they don't go do it, doesn't mean that I'm going to label the season a failure just because I, I don't see how you can think back on the regular season and, and even what they did in the SEC and the SEC tournament and label that a failed season.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I would not say failure um, because I agree with everything you just laid out. Let's put it this way. If Tennessee does not advance to Omaha, and again, not taking anything for granted this weekend with regionals and supers, I mean, it's, it, it's a grind. It's not going to be easy. But if Tennessee were to not make it to Omaha, I guess when you look back on this year, it's going to start and end with um, just, again, I just keep going uh, disappointment, sou- sour taste in your mouth. You're not going to look back on this year with all the smiles that have that have been apparent thus far. Um, not a failure, but certainly a, an asterisk, if you will, when you look back and say, oh, the Tennessee team was so dominant, but it, gosh, it got knocked out of supers, or it got knocked out of regional on his home field, or whatever the case would be um it's always going to be but it didn't but it didn't and it should have because again it's clearly the most dominant team so i'm with you you can't chalk it up as a failed season you can't chalk it up as a as a bust if you will because they've accomplished so much and they've uh, they've done so much and, and and they won i mean they won a uh, regular season title and the tournament title and all that but if you don't advance to omaha in my opinion you look back with you know with, with some sour thoughts on, on this team uh when, it, when it's all said and done because uh, of the way you phrase it a wasted wasted opportunity when clearly you're the best team in the country
0: just look at the basketball team look at the basketball team exactly so the perfect last, example the last month month and a half of the regular season was very very fun uh, for for the basketball team and obviously this regular season has been very fun for Tennessee baseball and both SEC tournaments were very fun as as fun as they can be you, you win both of them but The basketball team goes and and loses to Michigan, and that's what's going to always be brought up when that particular basketball team is mentioned, is that, okay, yeah, they won the SEC tournament. That's cool and all, but when it mattered most, they they didn't make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And, look, I I do think there's some other circumstances to to take into consideration, And, and this is more getting into the Rick Barnes conversation, like Tennessee was in position to, to make it to the Sweet 16. They just missed shots the final six minutes of that game that they had made the entire two months prior to get them to that point. Uh, and, and, and that kind of leads me to my next question for you, Eric, is, and you asked me this, I believe it was you, uh, that asked me on your Locked On Vols podcast earlier this week, what is your feeling and what comes to mind when you hear the stat that the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament has not won since 1999, I obviously gave you my answer on, on your pod and said that it, it makes me think of just how hard it is to win in the NCAA tournament. I've had some more thoughts since then, but before I share those, uh, what, what comes to your mind when you think of, wow, all these number one overall seeds and not a single one of them has won it since 1999? Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, literally,
1: that, that that's what comes to mind. It's like, uh, that's not great. And I hate, and I told you this, I hate – comparing a current team to years past because again, I mean, some of these players, you know, in in basketball's case, you know, some of these players could be, you know, holdovers and all that. Um, But for the most part, this is a new team. This is a new identity. This is a new year. What this 2022 baseball team has nothing to do with the 21 baseball team or the 20 baseball team or whatever. Um, So I I hate kind of comparing that, but again, you can't ignore it, right? I mean, you literally can't ignore it. I mean, it it is, it is shocking to me that the top overall seed hasn't won since 1999 um so the phrase uh-oh kind of comes to my mind um it, it but but again i agree with you it just goes to show you how difficult it is i mean I, i've referenced this so many times in recent weeks look at mississippi state last year i mean they got run rolled hoover by tennessee okay it went on one the natty so like who cares right so it's very difficult it's about who's playing well who's got depth who's got the arms um and and at the end of the day it is uh, going back to what i just said who was playing well at the right time so um, it's scary. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I think I think that's a worry, a worrisome stat right there for sure to, uh, to be the top team, and Tennessee
0: clearly is right now. The main thing that I think that it indicates is just how hard it is to win in the NCAA tournament, basketball and baseball, softball, women's basketball, whatever whatever sport in college athletics that you want to point to that has an NCAA tournament. I think that's what it points to the most. And I, I said this to you on your podcast. It, I don't think I think fans forget too often just how hard it is to win in the NCAA tournament. I I, I think there's just this feeling that it's so easy and and it's not. It's not. You, you hear it all the time. I heard it a million times today when Tony Watello and Evan Russell and Chase Dolander met with the media. All of these teams are here for a reason. All of them are. Alabama State they they are not expected to beat tennessee. in fact tennessee should should beat alabama state by by several runs. they they should. but alabama state is also the champions of their conference as well. obviously the fighting camels of campbell have a a stronger resume, but they play in the big south and although it's not the sec, they're still the champions of their conference. everybody that has that has gotten into the tournament it's here for a reason. There are good teams scattered throughout, obviously some much better than others. Uh, but at the end of the day, bad teams aren't making the postseason in college athletics. Uh, so I think that is the the main thing that stands out to me when, when that stat is, is spit out. And obviously it's been spit out a, a thousand times amongst Tennessee fans and whatnot, because Tennessee is the number one overall seed and the number one overall seed has not had so much luck with it. Obviously haven't, since 1999, but I think the other thing, and this popped up in my head since uh, you and I spoke earlier this week, is it also shows how much can go wrong in the sport of baseball, more so than the other sports, and it it pretty much is what I was trying to describe when the whole Jordan Beck being in a slump conversation was continuing to happen. Jordan Beck can go line drive the right field line drive to left field line drive to center field and all three be outs and have nothing to show for it, have absolutely nothing to show for it. And you look at the box score and it goes over three. And if you hadn't watched the game, then you think that that he had a bad day (laughs) for, for whatever reason. Uh, And and that also applies to a team as a whole. Um, Poor performances happen in baseball all the time in which teams are, are smoking the ball all day long. They, they, They just are hitting it right at somebody. And the other team, uh, a bloop single and and a double, and they've got to run on the board when your team hits three straight line drives just right at somebody, you hit the ball better than the other team. Yours just didn't find holes on a baseball field. Baseball is such a a tough, tough sport that there are so many things that can go wrong in a baseball game on any given day, any given game a team can lose to anybody because of how much can go wrong. So I also think that just how much can go wrong in baseball also speaks to a team, the number one overall seed in the tourney, not winning since 99 because Tennessee is going to have to make it through the regionals this weekend. Then they got to make it through super regional. Then you have to win three games in Omaha to even make it to the championship series. And then you have to win the championship series. That's a lot of good baseball And, and, there, there's not a team in history that's played that much baseball consecutively without having a bad day at the office. And granted, with, with the baseball tournament, there is a little bit of grace because of double elimination and whatnot. But I, I think that's what that stat also speaks to is just how much can go wrong in the sport of baseball. In baseball more than any other sport as well. Uh, now, it's what I'm about
1: to say is comparable to basketball, but it's not to football. It's not to soccer. It's not to hockey. Um, you know, pick your poison, right? I mean, you can go up there and you can have somebody on the mound, you know, the opposing pitcher on the mound who is just shoving and just shoving, and he can absolutely dominate a game. You, your other pitcher, I mean, he, he can be having a good game too. Say he gives up one run, say he gives up two runs. He goes, you know, six or seven innings, you know, five hits, two runs. That's a solid outing, right? Usually that's good enough to get you a win. But in some cases, it won't be. I mean, Jacob DeGrom, uh, you know, there's so many amazing Jacob DeGrom stats back when the Mets were just horrible to where he would go out there and and his back-to-back Cy Young award-winning seasons where, you know, that's why, you know, wins are irrelevant, right? It's about ERA to where he just had no run support. Um, But you can go out there and just be shut down by one opposing pitcher, and you can lose that game. I mean, that's baseball. Um, You know, in basketball, you can, you know, there there could be a sharpshooter that's just dominating the offensive end, but you still got to play defense. You still got to stop the other team from scoring football, it's a team sport completely, you know, hockey, the same way, soccer, the same way. So that's why, I mean, baseball is so challenging. Um, That's why I love it. I mean, it's, it's such a challenging sport, so it's a very difficult sport. And, uh, you know, just like you put it out there in a tournament aspect and a a regional or superstar situation, you're, everything's not going to go your way, but it's how you respond and the quality of depth that can come to your aid. And I think that that is where Tennessee is,
0: is well-positioned. That's been well-positioned all year long. And we've seen that. Go back and watch Camden Sewell at Mississippi State when he gave up the, the four straight singles. The The first one was hit pretty well, but the three after that, bloop single that found a hole, bloop single that found a hole, bloop single that found a hole. All of a sudden, you got the bases loaded and a couple of runs are scoring, and technically on the stat sheet, that looks really bad on, on Camden, but he was making his pitches, and... Mississippi State was just getting lucky by by poking the barrel out, and and the ball was finding grass. (laughs) One one day on a Saturday, if you're the hitter, those balls find holes. On on Sunday, those balls are outs. It's just so much can go wrong in the sport of baseball. So um, it's a pretty unique situation, I think, is one way to summarize it. But before we move on to actually previewing this Knoxville Regional, uh, to wrap up, this, this conversation we've had to start put a bow on it just going in to the tournament what are your expectations for for Tennessee Let, let's lay it out on the line and just what are your expectations for Tennessee is the expectation simply national championship and if if I know this also ties into our first conversation but if they don't meet that expectation then it's a, a disappointment or how would you look at that?
1: Uh, I mean, my expectation is for them to be the last team standing because they're the best team and uh, they're positioned the best. Um, so that's my expectation. Uh, again, if you if you come short of that uh, in Omaha, then it's not a failed season. If you fail to reach Omaha, it's a disappointment. But as far as this weekend in particular, I look for them to win three games and and uh, you know and and, and move on. Uh, not not with ease, if you will, but you know, do their thing and you know, win three games and advance on. So. A big picture, yeah, my expectation is for them to win the national championship. And I know, again, the the stats and the trends will tell you different uh, because of history, but uh, that's my expectation, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, Maybe I'm being too soft. Uh, My expectation isn't necessarily to flat out win the national championship. And, again, maybe I'm being too soft on them. Uh, But I'm not just flat out saying that because I know how hard it is to win a national championship this team definitely has the ingredients to do so, but just because you have the ingredients doesn't mean that you're going to go flat out win at all. And again, I, I said this several weeks ago when we first started having this conversation, if they make it to the championship series and, and lose in the championship series to whoever I'm not going to call the season a failure or, or Absolutely not. A, a, a disappointment. Now I, I did also say though, you got to get to Omaha and win some games this year. You, you certainly need to get to Omaha, and I think you also need to win a couple of games. You, you can't get back to Omaha and just simply go 0-2. I mean, there's an article out from USA Today explaining that Tony Vitello is the second-highest-paid coach and in the SEC and only $100,000 or so behind Tim Corbin. And when you're getting paid that much money, the expectations are, are, are going to change. And certainly, last, last year was a feel-good story. It's still somewhat of a feel-good story, but also that, that feel-good story at some point turns into, let's win when we get to Omaha. And I think Tennessee is, is at that point, even though it may have gotten back quicker than expected, at least from a, a, a fan's expectation standpoint. So uh, this team's good to win it all. There's no doubt about that. Uh, a lot is going to be made about, is this team the greatest team of, of all time? If, if they don't win the national championship, uh, there, there's going to be a, a lot of comments made. Uh, so that's kind kind of why I wanted to get in front of that conversation because I, I'm not somebody that's going to just come on here and say that they're, they're a bunch of choke artists and <laughs> just completely failed. And who cares about the season? It was a complete failure. If they come up short, that's, that's not the type of person I am. That, that's not what I'm going to do. If, if it ends up happening, um, obviously if they lose in the regionals, there will be stronger comments than if they lose in the opening round of, of Omaha, but uh, that—that's kind of why I wanted to have that conversation—is—is is to go ahead and get out in front and just uh, give our general thoughts on Tennessee going into the NCAA tournament. Yep, I would agree. Um,
1: again, you don't even want to think like this because I mean, I—I I don't think like this. But I mean, if yeah, if, if this weekend if there's some hiccups this weekend, then that—that—that's not good. But I—I I don't expect that, and um, I expect them to keep on going on. And and truly, I just I feel like. I mean this team has so many options, so so much versatility, so much depth. Um I'm just excited to see them compete. I mean it was it was a blast last year and you're right it was a feel good story last year it was. But I don't know how you feel about it but I and I know they're down this year. I get it. Hell they played in the 8-9 game uh, in the SEC tournament, but when Tennessee went back-to-back weekends on the road sweeping Ole Miss and sweeping Vanderbilt, that is when I said, "Okay, this team is a national championship contender. And you, you might have made that comment after one of those series. I can't remember. But I remember earlier on the series, you made the comment like, OK, this is a this is a team that can win a national championship. And that's kind of what I knew. And that's kind of been my expectation kind of ever since since those two series. And again, I understand they're down. I get it. And we didn't know how down they were uh, at the time. But still, um, that, that that's saying something. So I'm just excited to see him get out there and, and get after it. And it all starts uh, all starts
0: tomorrow. It does. It all starts against Alabama State, 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday night. SEC Network, Blade Tidwell getting the ball in the NCAA tournament opener. Eric, your thoughts on Tennessee rolling with Blade Tidwell in game one? And Tony Vitello said it's not set in stone yet, but that Chase Dolander would likely pitch in game two. And look, that that's all coach speak chase dolander is going to pitch in game two unless he gets sick or or gets hurt so uh, your thoughts on tennessee rolling with uh tidwell and, and dolander to start i mean
1: it's not a bad option right i know chase dolander is the best pitcher on the staff right now and he's sec pitcher of the year but having having him come in in game two that, i mean yeah i played tidwell game one and that's what they've been doing here recently and so um you know i know the days are different i get that but kind of rolling with the same the same kind of rollout there with game one, game two, game three type situation. I like it. Uh, Blade Tidwell. I mean, gosh, um, you know, think the world of him as a pitcher. Obviously, his stuff. Um, he's looking really, really good here lately, and so I think that's a, a solid option too. Plus, I'm I'm a big fan of. I mean, if we're gonna nitpick here, you know, if you do go down one game, you know, rolling rolling Dolander out there for game two, that is that is a good position to be in. So uh, I'm I'm a okay with with uh, Tidwell one, Dolander two, and. Um, I mean, likely burns three. I know he didn't say it, but likely burns three and then, you know, s- some help from there.
0: Yeah. I, I think there was some initial thought of maybe trying to, to be a little risky, uh, be a little strategic and throw one of the freshmen burns or beam in game one against Alabama state. But if that were the case, Tidwell wouldn't throw until Sunday and you don't want Tidwell throwing on a Sunday and then having to turn around and throw on a Friday of a super regional. Uh, And, and yes, technically, Tidwell doesn't have to throw on a Friday of a super regional or game one of a super regional, uh, but that's what Tennessee wants to do. As I've been saying for weeks, they've been building up – or maybe not weeks, but I, I believe I said it last week on the podcast before the SEC tournament. My belief has been that they want Tidwell, game one, Dolander, game two and th- that is why they don't want to mess with with Tidwell. And, and look, I, my, my initial thought as well was, hey, well, it's Alabama State. Why, why not throw Drew Beam or, or, or Chase Burns and just save Blake Tidwell and Chase Dolander for later in the weekend? But I, I, I do agree, obviously, with the theory of, hey, you don't want Tidwell to throw on Sunday, turn around and, and throw on Friday. Uh, and you also don't – Tennessee could have afforded – to, to, to shuffle things around and be a little risky because it is Alabama State. You can get away with pitching Drew Beam, Chase Burns. Uh, if they don't have it early in the game, then, then you can immediately pivot to a Camden Sewell or somebody of that nature. But if, if a miracle were to happen and Alabama State were to beat Tennessee because you were tinkering with things, it would be really hard to sleep at night and really hard to live with that. You could even,
1: I mean, really, if you, if you got super, super risky, I mean, you could, you could piggyback straight from the get go, the two freshmen and then having Sewell as a security net for Monday if you needed them. But, um, no, I, yeah. Why, why dance with fire? Right. You're exactly right. You could, uh, couldn't live with yourself if uh, you were playing around like that and kind of, and I don't want to say give up a game because it's not like those two guys are trash by any stretch of the imagination, but, when you can put your best foot forward, what's it well, and then Dolan or why not, right? And, again, it, it helps them out as well for uh, next weekend's, you know, supers.
0: Speaking of Alabama State, they are going to trot out there a young man named Breon Pooler, who is a graduate. Uh, it is his fifth year, and he's, he's been really good for them. 10-2, and two, 3.19 ERA uh, opponents hitting just two twenty five off of him. Uh, he's a, a right-hander. He, he's not a, a guy that's going to overpower you with his stuff, but he's he's a competitor. That, that's that been Tony Vitello's talking point uh, when he spoke with John Wilkerson on the radio earlier this week uh, on John's show on uh, the Sports Animal. Uh, today, to the media, uh, he, he was – Tony Vitello was speaking about how Brian uh, Pooler is is such a great competitor yet again, and how he he started the the first game of the SWAT conference, and then he came back in, in the championship game and and pitched as well. So, uh, not anybody that's going to just overpower Tennessee, but a guy that's going to get in there and and throw strikes. And after him, that they have a couple of guys who can pitch, uh, as Vado Mendez. He's got four starts and 18 appearances on the year, a 4.83 ERA. Uh, Adiel Melendez, three starts, four appearances, a 3.52 ERA. The interesting thing about those two is that they're both lefties. They're both lefties, and uh, we've seen Tennessee um, not do so well against lefties at times. Not not that often. Uh, It's not uncommon for teams not to do well against lefties, but Uh, That that has been a thing from time to time. I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary. I think it's blown out of proportion more often than not, just because we watch Tennessee more intently than anybody else. And and we kind of forget that most teams struggle against lefties. Um, But Breon Pooler is the starter to know. And, And then their top bullpen guy is has been really really good for them Peyton Harris he's a senior 25 appearances four saves 53 innings on the season he's three and two with a 2.18 era and opponents are hitting 206 off of him so uh when I when I look at Alabama State erica it's not the pitching that worries me T- Tennessee should be able to hit their pitching and, and honestly if I'm being quite honest nothing worries me <laughs> about Alabama State if if I'm being completely honest but what stands out to me, in addition to, to Breon Pooler, their starter, and Peyton Harris, their, their best bullpen option, are the couple of guys at the top of their lineup. Uh, Corey King is their leadoff hitter and their designated hitter. He is by far their best hitter, hitting 367, 14 home runs, 64 RBIs. Uh, only one other hitter has hit more than five home runs on the season, and that's Hunter May, the catcher. He's hitting 315. Uh, Kyler McIntosh is an interesting player that I'm I'm actually excited to, to watch him play this weekend. He's their starting right fielder. He's a freshman, but he's also one of their top arms out of the bullpen as well. He He's a righty out of the bullpen who's thrown 67 innings. Uh, he started nine, nine games, so I, I honestly, I shouldn't even say that he's a, a bullpen guy. He, he seems to be uh, the... Shohei Otani of the Alabama State baseball team, just maybe not as great as the once-in-a-generational talent, but uh, the point is that that he does play both positions, uh, the field and, and pitcher, and and that's rare in today's day and age of baseball. But he he does it pretty well. He, he's not as good on the mound, at least statistically, as his hitting stats are. He's hitting 400 at the plate, uh, and then on the mound, he has an ERA of Nearing five, six. seven, eight. So yeah. Not not great, Bob. So uh, the the Alabama State lineup is definitely more attractive on paper than the pitching rotation. I think
1: Alabama State's a solid baseball team. I mean they they they've got a they got a decent lineup. It's got a little bit of pop, as you mentioned. Not a whole lot of power, for being completely honest. But again, you look at these averages; they're all you know the top one, two, three, four, five, six six players in the order. Um, you know are hitting over three hundred, and so you know a couple of them, of course. Uh, you know, McIntosh is at 400 and Corey King is, um, you know, really, really good. So a, a nice, nice lineup, um, you know, pitching's fine. I just, I mean, you know, call me, call me short-sighted here. I just think Tennessee's going to rake. I think Tennessee as, as it should, I think Tennessee's going to roll over Alabama state. Um, but I am intrigued to see, as you mentioned, Kyler McIntosh. I noticed that earlier, I guess it was yesterday when you posted your, your little preview, uh, at Volklos.com for the, for the regional, I noticed that he was kind of a two way player, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. So, you know, we'll see. Tennessee shouldn't ha- uh, shouldn't have to worry about Alabama State, in my opinion. Um, so, we'll see what uh, we'll see what old Pooler, Breon Pooler, has to do. Because I think for guys like like Breon Pooler, who won't overpower you, and you know, has some good stuff, with good placement and stuff. I mean, Tennessee's done match up well against those types of arms so far this season. So, uh, looking forward
0: to Tennessee tomorrow night, and expecting a, a win by a couple of runs at least. Fun fact that nobody will care about, Uh, Breon Pooler, a Huntsville native, went to the same community college that I went to before I transferred to Tennessee, Uh, Calhoun Community College. Shout out to Calhoun, Uh, also the former home of Jorge Posada. Shout out to one of my favorite baseball players of all time, Jorge, hip hip Jorge. Uh, Also went to uh, one of the high schools, Sparkman High School there in Huntsville that was in my division or region whatever whatever they used to call it it's changed like three times division region i, I, I think it was area <laughs> they, they were one of one no it was area one, one of we had like four area teams and it was a division but they called it area and now they they go by region so i i don't know why they continue to change it but uh, sparkman was was in our area with uh old buckhorn and hazel green homeless well, of uh, jordan beck
1: Y'all can do a jersey swap after the game. He'll give you his jersey. You give him your media pass and take a little picture,
0: put it up there on the socials, and there you go. I'll ask him. Uh, I don't know that he'll he'll want to do that, but uh <laughs> but I, I will ask him. This Georgia Tech Campbell game is fascinating to me, Eric. Can I just and say I'll, this real quick,
1: real quick? And no. I know we're gonna dive into it. If Georgia Tech and Tennessee play, oh my god, I think Tennessee will just beat the crap out of Georgia Tech. Because as you'll mention here in a moment, Georgia Tech has absolutely no arms. Very impressive lineup. No arms. And I think the Tennessee offense, if it has the opportunity to play Georgia Tech, will just smoke them.
0: There is one word to (laughs) summarize. One word to describe Georgia Tech's pitching staff. What's that? Ass. ass (laughs) ass <laughs> they are terrible on the mound as as you pointed out and what you said if tennessee plays georgia tech i'm glad you mentioned that because the comment i was about to make is that i don't think tennessee's gonna play georgia tech yeah i think i think the and camels will prevail for sure i do i i do as well and, and you mentioned it now georgia tech's lineup is as good of a lineup as as you will find in in mm-hmm. college baseball they have some Real deal threats uh, throughout that lineup. Obviously, their catcher, Kevin Parada, he is the the main guy in, in that lineup. 356 batting average, 26 home runs, which is tied for third most in the country. Uh, he's likely going, going to be a top 10, if not a top five pick in the MLB draft when July rolls around. Uh, but again, it's not just him. Chandler Simpson, their second baseman, he leads off and has the best batting average in the country, 418. Uh, first baseman, Andrew Jenkins, he's hit 17 home runs and drove in 63 RBIs from the three-hole. That That's their their top three hitters. Uh, Parada, their, their star catcher, he hit second. So uh, your, your leadoff guy, best batting average in the country, your, your two-hole hitter, 26 homers, going to be a top five, top ten pick. Your three-hole hitter, Andrew Jenkins, the first baseman, 17 homers. And then you get five through seven. And each of those guys have hit 14 homers there. Tim Borden, who is a a Louisville transfer, has hit 18 homers. Right fielder Stephen Reed, he's hit 15 homers. And third baseman Drew Compton, he's hit 14. Now, on the flip side of that, Eric, Georgia Tech's pitching staff, uh, they only managed to go 500 throughout ACC play despite that lineup uh, because the pitching staff, as I said, is just ass. Uh, they, they don't do a single thing well on the mound. They had the worst ERA in the ACC, uh, 654. Uh, excuse me, second worst. I, I don't want to slight them. Uh, second worst ERA in the ACC. They allowed the most hits. They allowed the most home runs. They hit the second most batters. They, they allowed the second highest opponent batting average. Teams hit 289 off of them throughout the season. And they allowed the second most earned runs. Oh, and by the way, second most walks second-most doubles, second-most triples. They finished 10th out of 14 teams in the ACC in strikeouts. Of the 11 Tech pitchers who have started a game this season, only two of them have an ERA under five. Uh, and then there's the, the three main starters, Marquise Grissom. He has a 5.40 ERA. Chance Huff, he's a righty. He has a 7.34 ERA. And then John Medich, he's a righty. A 6. ERA. It is just ridiculous. It doesn't get any better out of the bullpen of the four main arms out of the bullpen who have made at least double-digit appearances this season. One has an ERA under six.
1: It's truly shocking to me that this team is playing in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it really is. Uh, 540, 734, 614, 596, 709. 583, 696. These are the starting pitchers ERA are for guys who have started this year working from the top down. And like you said, it doesn't get any better in the bullpen. And look at if you look at the stats and you look at those strikeout to walk ratios. Man, again, I'm with you. I don't think Georgia Tech will play Tennessee, but you gotta think Tony V and that those Tennessee players are salivating. Look at some of the stat sheets right here. Also, one note on, on the catcher who I think you wrote, Ben, that. And I think I saw this, uh, you know, from uh, from from D1 baseball, Kevin Parada, you know, projected top 10 pick coming up in July, I believe, first round guy. Um, 26 home runs as the catcher. He, he's he got to be DHing on D.C. doesn't catch. But as you mentioned, the D.H. Uh, Trey Gonzalez or excuse me, uh, Tim, Tim Borden, I believe uh, the Louisville transfer. I mean, he's got 18 home runs, too. So. Gosh, uh, that the, the guys in the lineup are so impressive, but equally as pre- as impressive is just how bad the arms are, so bad. I, again, I'm shocked, Georgia Tech's here to be honest. Were, were you listing off ERAs or gas prices? About the about the same right now. When it's concerned <laughs> to
0: Georgia Tech and
1: and the gasoline around the United States right now, yeah.
0: <laughs> Eric, you alluded to Tony. Vitello licking his chops at the Georgia Tech pitching staff. And whew, I can't even begin to imagine what the, uh, what the Tennessee hitters would, would do to that Georgia Tech pitching, which, uh, again, you have to be a little bit worrisome of that Georgia Tech lineup. They, they are really, really good. I, I, I ran through all the, the stats that Georgia Tech pitching is horrific in. Uh, it's, it's quite the opposite for the Georgia Tech hitting and, and that's in the ACC, a, a really good conference. Uh, they were they're first in batting average, first in hits, second in runs scored. Uh, they they finished with the second best on-base percentage. Uh, they were second in home runs, second in slugging percentage. Uh, that, that is a lineup that is very formidable. There, there's no doubt about that. But the difference is uh, Tennessee would be teeing off on georgia tech's theoretical second best starting pitcher while georgia tech at the same time would be trying to hit off a chase dolander that there is a a significant difference there
1: yeah and i mean we we talk about a lot of times it's like you'll you'll match up at any point with with a good hitting lineup with tennessee's pitching because since these pitching's been so great right and Again, the same could be said where you'd feel great about Tennessee's lineup going up against the dominant pitcher because the lineup's been so great. I mean, literally, any way you spin it, it's it's an embarrassment of riches here. So, but yeah, if that were the situation, you know, with with the two going up against Tennessee on a Saturday night potentially, boy, um, that uh that would not bode well in my opinion for Georgia Tech. Yeah, that lineup's incredible. Uh, Dolander in this situation would have his work cut out for him without a doubt. Uh, but uh, I, I still like Tennessee's chances any way you want to spin it because again, it's 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 so hard. I'm surprised they won 16 games in conference with the way that pitching staff is. I mean, truly, I mean it's it's pathetic. It, it, it is it is very very bad. And now watch them this weekend go out there and pitch the weekend of their lives because we said that all that. But uh, uh, I I um, I don't think Tennessee will play them because again, I I think we both believe Campbell will get Georgia Tech because of how bad those arms are.
0: Yes, and and not only. Is it because of Georgia Tech's poor pitching that I think Campbell will beat Georgia Tech? Uh, Campbell's going to be trotting out one of the best pitchers in the entire country. Their, their ace is an absolute stud, Thomas Harrington. He's a sophomore, right-hander. 14 starts this season, 85 innings. He went 11-2, and 2.21 ERA. Opponents hit 195 off of him. Uh, Eric, in those 85 innings, 109 strikeouts to 16 walks. That is just absolutely silly. Uh, Gave up 60 hits, 21 earned runs, had a .89 whip, which is walks and hits per nine innings. Uh, He is an absolute stud. I mean, that that is the only way to slice it. He was the Big South Pitcher of the Year. He'll likely be a first-round pick in July. So while he's pitching against that Georgia Tech lineup, Campbell's lineup of its own is just as good as Georgia Tech's, uh, the only difference being the the level of competition that it played throughout the season. That is the the one asterisk. We'll, we'll see how that pans out this weekend when it does come to Campbell. Uh, even Georgia Tech. Uh, ACC baseball is much different than Big South baseball. And I, I tell you, Eric, Big South baseball is absolutely pitiful. Uh, only one other team in the Big South, had a an overall record of above 500, and that was USC Upstate. Campbell went 40 and 17. USC Upstate went 35 and 22. The only two teams that went over 500 for the season in that league, you have Gardner Webb. They won 25 games. Charleston Southern won 24. High Point won 23. Presbyterian won 22. UNC Asheville 21. Longwood 20. Winthrop 18. N.C.A.N.T. 15, Radford 15. It's just a real pitiful competition level that that Campbell was was playing this weekend. And, and it's hard not to ignore. I mean, that, that is pitiful baseball right there. So I am curious to see how uh, their pitchers, how their hitters translate to, to facing. Although those ACC arms, <laughs> Georgia Tech are are bad, they're, they're still going to be better than what they've been facing uh, if you put those Georgia Tech pitchers in the Big South, they're, they're not going to have as poor statistics uh, a, as they did in the ACC. And, and it's certainly not Tennessee pitching <laughs> that they could possibly face. So I, I am curious to see how they translate to, to better competition. But you look at their schedule, they beat an Air Force team that is an NCAA tournament team. NC State, they beat, and NC State should have been in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they beat Ohio State two times now i do know ohio state fired their coach but still that's a power five school uh they beat army Army's in the tournament uh liberty they they beat them they split with liberty and, and they're in the tournament west virginia they took two of three from them and west virginia typically has a a pretty decent um ball club duke they were in the tournament last year they came to knoxville they were bad this year but they still beat duke um so they they i it's hard to kind of gauge how they're going to translate because on one hand, their conference was was butt-booty terrible, but they did pick up some nice wins along the way in the non-conference, which would make you think that they, they should translate pretty well. Gardner-Webb and
1: Presbyterian, former members of the South Atlantic Conference, if anybody was wondering there. Long-time were- uh, competitors of Carson Newman back in the NAIA days. So Carson Newman, go. home of Daryl Middleton potentially yeah I threw throughout that offer there um along with Georgia and Florida it makes a whole lot of sense doesn't it um I thought for a second Ben that potentially like this is earlier in the week that Tom uh, Thomas Harrington would not pitch game one and you know set themselves up to square off with Tennessee potentially in game two but then or worst case scenario if you lose but then you do more research you look at that Georgia Tech lineup and it's like they can't afford to throw anybody else. They have to throw Thomas Harrington, have to against that Georgia Tech lineup. So I'm intrigued to see how that will square off because I, his numbers are incredible. And you compare the 109 strikeout to 16 walk ratio against some of the pitchers, or excuse me, against all the pitchers really from Georgia Tech. And it's just incredible uh, to, to compare the two with how good he's been and how bad that entire staff has been. So I'm uh, intrigued to see that. I I think, you know, Campbell's a decent football or er, uh, baseball team. Um, you see where my mind's at all, all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean they got five players in the lineup that hit over ten home runs. A couple of them knocking on the door to, to twenty homers. Um, you know, you Drake Pearson who said eighteen. You've got, you know, Zagnito that's hit fifteen. Leadoff man Jared Belbin has hit seventeen and driven in a, a second on the team with fifty five RBIs. So, you know, I, a, a solid lineup. But again, just like you said, I mean the competition, the arms that you face on a week, any given weekend, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's just nothing compared to what's. You know you're going to see this weekend, even even with with Georgia Tech and and how bad they are. So we've had a couple of nice wins on the season too. But I think if Tennessee and Campbell were to square off, it would go very much in favor of Tennessee. I just the more you look into all these teams that Tennessee could potentially play this weekend, and, of course Alabama State, who it will play on Friday night. I mean it's you're the number one seed in the entire tournament for a reason, right? It's just uh, this should be should be a weekend where you play your game and you have no issues whatsoever, regardless of who your opponent is.
0: We mentioned that if you you start Drew Beam or Chase Burns against Alabama State and you lose, it would be hard to sleep with yourself at night when you could have thrown Blake Tidwell. Not that we think that Drew Beam or, or Chase Burns aren't capable. They're just freshmen and you don't know how they're going to respond. Blake Tidwell pitched in the regional last weekend and and the super regional and and the NCAA tournament, or excuse me, and Omaha. Uh, so he, he has NCAA tournament experience. If you're Campbell and you throw out Harrington, or if you don't pitch Harrington against Georgia Tech, and then you have to throw him against Alabama State on Saturday, that that would be hard to, to live with. And, and look, yeah. he, and you, you mentioned, and, and I started to make this point and went in a different direction, but to, to bring it back to the point that I was going to make, you you alluded to Tony Vitello drooling o- over facing the Georgia Tech pitching. They're not going to think this way. This is for 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 meat sticks like you and I to discuss, but they they should prefer to play Campbell or excuse me should prefer to play Georgia Tech over Campbell because Campbell also has a, a pretty decent dis- decent number two uh, that that they can throw out there as well. Thomas Harrington he he gets all the attention and, and rightfully so. But they have another sophomore, Cade Cooler, who is a a right-hander. He made 14 starts this season, and he has a 3.62 ERA in a 174 batting average against. So they they appear to have a pretty decent number two when Georgia Tech has absolutely none of that. (laughs) And look, Campbell's lineup is uh, about just as good as as Georgia Tech. I'm not going to say it's as good because Georgia Tech plays in the ACC. And the, and they have more guys, at least statistically speaking, that you can point to throughout their lineup. But uh, you mentioned some of them. Zach Nito, their three-hole hitter and their shortstop, he, he is a future professional baseball player. That that young man is an absolute stud. Uh, he was the Big South player of the year for the second year in a row, first time ever in that conference. He He's going to be a tough at-bat to deal with. Uh, you, you mentioned Jer. Jared Belbin, he leads the team off, and, and he's hit 17 homers. And, and you just go down the list, uh, the, the four-hole hitter. What's that?
1: I was going to say, they steal. They've got a lot yes. of guys who, of course, Belbin's got 19 stolen bags. You got Nito with 16. Uh, you know, Drake Pearson, the six-hole hitter, has 18. 25 from the guy who hits ninth in the order, and Tyler uh, Halstead. So, yeah, I mean, they that's something, obviously, for Evan Russell and the pitchers to be on guard for and trying to control the the, the base runners.
0: Yes, and it was good to see Evan find some confidence this weekend. Yeah, that um, was awesome. Throwing out base runners. Uh, he, he's he been really good back there and has not gotten enough credit. But, hey, if you were circling potential issues for Tennessee, it would be the, the opponent's running game uh, all offensively. And now – it, it continues to be a, a topic of conversation in all the game threads that we do. Uh, folks like to comment about, "Oh, this is going to beat us one of these days." Well, it hasn't yet. I, I I don't I don't disagree with the comment because technically the person is right that that wants to say that. Oh, the 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 opposing team stealing bases on us all day is what's going to lose us our season and, and why Tennessee's going to come up short. Not a a wrong thought, but. It hasn't beat them yet, and it's been somewhat of an issue all year because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if the pitcher gets the hitter out. It doesn't matter what the base runner is doing, and it's hard to get on base uh, against these these Tennessee pitchers. But hey, again, that it, it is a fair criticism. It is something that can prove to be disastrous possibly at some point, and If Campbell's got it going offensively and and their number two starter is is throwing it pretty well, that that could be the difference in the game. There's no doubt about it. So I'm intrigued to see how Campbell's lack of of conference (laughs) that they play in. I'm curious to see how that translates to not only Georgia Tech and Tennessee if they end up playing Tennessee, but uh, although I'm taking that with, with an asterisk next to it, a grain of salt, however you want to say it. I do think Campbell's the better overall baseball team than Georgia Tech. I, I really do. I do too. And I, I want to ask you a question. So, do you have anything else on, on, on Campbell?
1: No. Okay. So, do you see it playing out like this? Because this is how I see it playing out essentially for Tennessee this weekend. Tennessee beats Alabama States. Campbell beats Georgia Tech earlier in the day. Uh, you know, Tennessee takes on Campbell. Tennessee wins Saturday nights. And then Campbell has to win and get back to play Tennessee on Sunday. That's kind of how I see it playing out. Is that do you, do you see anything differently?
0: No, that that's exactly how I see it playing out as well. Uh, I'll, I I think Campbell's going to beat Georgia Tech. I, I really do. At yep. noon uh, again, I, I continue to say it. We'll, we'll see how their level of competition translates. Uh, I think that it will because they they did beat good teams. NC they beat NCAA tournament teams multiple in their non-conference. So I, I do think that their level of competition is going to translate to, to not only Georgia Tech, but Tennessee as well. Um, so I, I, I do see Campbell beating Georgia Tech in that noon game on, on Friday. And uh, I, there's there's just no way Tennessee loses to Alabama State. I'm not going to say there's zero chance, but I would be absolutely floored if, if Tennessee lost to Alabama State. I would be absolutely blown away. And then the Alabama State will turn around and lose to Georgia Tech on Saturday to be eliminated, and then Georgia Tech will have to, to beat Campbell after Campbell loses to Tennessee to, to make it to the championship game. And I was going to make this comment earlier when we were talking about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech cannot afford to go through the loser's bracket. No. <laughs> with, with their <laughs> lack of pitching that already exists, they can't afford to play an extra game. No, they can't.
1: And really for Campbell, too. Think about it. Tennessee could potentially see Campbell on Saturday, and it would be Cade Cooler or whatever, the, the the, number two option with a 362 ERA that we spoke on. If Tennessee sees them again, you're likely gonna see either Aaron Rudd, a 553 ERA, Cade a box rucker, a 718 ERA, George Ferguson, a 978 ERA. So you know, it's boating well for Tennessee. All you got to do is handle business because regardless, whoever you see on Sunday to finish this thing off is not going to be the, the, the you know, the ideal option for a Campbell if that's the team, especially Georgia Tech and then obviously Alabama State if it happens for them. Um, all Tennessee does, Tennessee should get more favorable matchups, obviously with pitching. That's just kind of how, that's how baseball works and, you know, in round robin tournament style situations as you continue to win throughout the weekend.
0: Last thing before we get out of here. No, no generic cliche answer, please. The one thing Tennessee has to do in order to advance to super regionals.
1: Um that they have to do that. It's kind of weird because like I, they're already doing a lot of things. I, I they have to do they gotta pitch. I mean, you got got gotta gotta pitch, continue to pitch the way you're doing. Um, but I mean, quite frankly, Ben, I feel like for the majority of the weekend, you can play. You can kind of. I don't want to say that because I guess the get...
0: point the 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 reasoning behind my question is that the the pitching is going to be more important than the offense this yeah. week. I, I I think the offense is going to come, especially against Alabama State, against Georgia Tech, uh, uh, Campbell. Because luckily, because they don't play Campbell, they're they're going going to avoid the the, the soon to be first round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. So, they should be able to hit Campbell. I'm not worried about the offense and I'm not worried about the pitching either. But because there are so many good lineups in this regional, obviously uh, Campbell and Georgia Tech being more formidable than, than Alabama State. But even Alabama State has some guys that can swing it. Because this is a heavy offensive regional, Chase Dolander's got to continue to be Chase Dolander. Uh, Drew Beam, Chase Burns, they, they're, they're going to have to step up and Burns is going to have to pitch. Like he did in the tournament, you and I were were both pleased with how Beam looked. He he had to battle, but he looked pretty good in the SEC tournament as well. Uh, Blake Tidwell going to have to continue to pitch well. Th- those guys have have to pitch well, or else that that's how Tennessee will get knocked out because uh, you, you can't let those bats get going. Should we expect to see Cannon Tool on a Friday night
1: as well uh, after after Tidwell? I would I would imagine that you got to get him in early in the weekend that way if you need him later on. So I mean, kind of like normally he's he's typically a guy that pitches on Friday anyway. So I would expect to see him after Tibble, wouldn't you? I would save him.
0: It, it depends on the score of the game. If it's a close game when Blade is coming out, then then yes, go to Camden because he is your your top arm. And and even though it's Alabama State tomorrow isn't promised in, in the NCAA tournament. And I, I know there's double elimination, but uh, and Tennessee is built to come out of the loser's bracket because of how much pitching that they have. But you still don't want to have to come through <laughs> the, the loser's bracket. You, you want to avoid that at all costs. Just look at the SEC tournament. Not saying that Florida would have have won, but I, I think the biggest difference in that baseball game was Florida playing its sixth game in six days and Tennessee playing its fourth and four days. That, that was a significant difference in, in my opinion you don't want to come through the loser's bracket. So, so if it's a close game, you immediately go to Camden Sewell, even if it if it is Alabama State, because you you, you want to avoid doing that. Tomorrow isn't promised in the NCAA tournament. But if it's not a close game, I, I'm not touching him. I, I'm saving him for later in the weekend in case I need to, to start him. And you're going to need all hands on deck against that Georgia Tech offense, against that Campbell offense. So I, I would do my best to try and save him for for, the, for those opponents, particularly on Saturday. Just think. Excuse
1: me. Just think about this too. You got three guys who are not weekend starters that you could throw out there and feel good about starting a game if you needed. <laughs> like, I mean, how many teams around the country can feel that way? Like, you got confidence in throwing Sewell out there to start, Ben Joyce out there for a couple innings to start. Not an open, really. It's a star, but it's not. You're not going to go five to six innings usually. And then, honestly, too, Xander Seacrest get out there and give you something if you if you absolutely needed to. So. Uh, of course, he got touched up in the SEC tournament. But again, if you absolutely needed it, you could throw him out there. So Tennessee, 100%, it's built to come out of the loser's bracket, like you said. But hopefully, God, hopefully that won't be the case this weekend.
0: I would be stunned. Uh, yeah, if, me too. If, if, if Tennessee has to come out of the loser's bracket, it'll be because they lose game two. And then they'll have to beat whoever advances to the regional final, Georgia Tech or, or Campbell. They'll have to beat them twice. Uh, th- that would be the, the portion of the losers bracket They they're not going to have to come all the way through <laughs> the losers bracket because they, they lose to Alabama State. Uh, if so, then I just I don't I don't even want to think about it, but it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm jacked up. Tennessee will play at six o'clock. On, uh, on Friday night SEC network I believe the the Saturday night game assuming Tennessee wins is at six or, or seven I, I closed the schedule out in front of me so forgive me but it, it is an evening game uh, Eric and I will we will we promise be recording mini podcasts after each game seven o'clock Saturday night we will we promise no matter what time it is I don't I'm I'm not feeling Good or feeling bad for Eric this week about having to do radio on on Saturday morning? We will do many podcasts after well, like, each game. We promise.
1: It also will be three a.m. Eastern Time when post game's up. So, like, yeah. I mean, well, theoretically, I mean, yeah, it better not be. I guess I well, shouldn't look, have said anything.
0: Uh, yes, and even if it is, I will record one with with somebody not not Austin Price, uh, but we'll, we'll get somebody on like a like a John Wilkerson. M- maybe, uh, maybe maybe a little shump, a little shump pump, baby. Hey, he he's getting back in the fold of things, eh? Ryan Shumpert, who is that? He's the man. Uh, this is Ryan Shumpert's. Th- this is his time of year. I mean, he's just pumping left and right. I mean, he is. This is just a grip it and rip it time of year for, for for old Shumpert.
1: Time to get out there in front of him. He's um uh, time time to
0: shine, baby, for old Ryan yep. Shumpert. Sometimes you just have to flush those jokes. But wash them away. The point is, we will have mini podcasts after each game. We promise. So uh, we hope you all enjoy the the weekend as much as we do, and uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow night. He's Eric Kane. I'm Ben Key.